Want to learn how to leverage your marketing to get clients on repeat? Charge a fee that leaves you with money in your pocket even after you've finished paying your bills? And finally, stop working with the clients that you've long outgrown? Liberated Business is a transformational program that combines group and one-on-one work so you get the best results possible. This differs from every other program out there because it helps you make money while supporting your joy and liberation throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Liberated Business starts this June and runs through November, and enrollment is open now. Visit thebadtherapist.coach liberatedbusiness to get all of the details and sign up. DM me on Instagram at thebadtherapist with any questions or to learn more. I cannot wait to get started with you. What a lot of therapists will do is they will basically try to think about their niche. They'll try to like figure it out as if like they're going to get like an answer from heaven that's going to be like, here's your niche. This is what you should be doing. And that just is so rarely the case. I mean, I do think it is helpful to have some degree of introspection when it comes to choosing your niche, but by far the best thing you can do to help you find your niche is to actually pick one and go all in on it and start taking action. Because when you do that, you're going to get immediate feedback about how that actually feels to you. You're going to find out really quickly if you're actually into that or not. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Over the next few weeks, I'll be talking about how to fill your practice with clients you love. Today, we're covering niching or specializing. If you're fresh out of grad school, just got licensed, or are starting your own practice, you've probably heard a lot about niching, and you may even be a little sick of hearing about it. And picking a niche can be such a source of stress and worry. My goal today is to help you look at niching in a whole new way, to teach you how to move through the biggest barriers stopping you from niching so that you can actually start to use this highly effective tool to transform your business. I'll share one practical action you can take this week and one mindset practice you can use right now. By the end of this episode, you'll know how to choose a niche the bad therapist way and feel excited to experiment. So let's get into it. I want to start with the biggest mindset barriers to niching or the biggest fears, the things that I hear therapists saying over and over again when it comes to this topic. There are so many fears we have around it, so we're going to go through them one by one And I'm going to tell you how I've shifted, how I think about these things, and how I help my clients shift how they think about these things 
so that you can actually start niching and have it be a fun experience and not super stressful. So by far the biggest fear I hear therapists share is that they'll pick the wrong thing or they'll waste their time, money, and energy, something along those lines. So when folks tell me I'm afraid I'll pick the wrong thing, I say, well, you might actually. In fact, there's like a really good chance that what you'll initially choose is going to get updated and change. I mean, especially if we're thinking about your career, like the length of your career, (laughs) it is definitely going to change. And that's actually not a problem. But what a lot of therapists will do is they will basically try to think about their niche. They'll try to like figure it out as if like they're going to get like an answer from heaven that's going to be like, here's your niche. This is what you should be doing. And that just is so rarely the case. I mean, I do think it is helpful to have some degree of introspection when it comes to choosing your niche, but by far the best thing you can do to help you find your niche is to actually pick one and go all in on it and start taking action. Because when you do that, you're going to get immediate feedback about how that actually feels to you. You're going to find out really quickly if you're actually into that or not. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples of some clients of mine that actually did this. For instance, I had one client who had experienced conversion therapy, trauma recovery as a young queer person and wanted to help others recover and heal from the trauma of that sort of experience. And personally, I was really excited about this specialty. I was thinking, there aren't enough people doing this. You would obviously be so great at it. And so they decided to go all in on this initially. Not long after, they actually started to get really excited about integration work and psychedelics and wellness, which was a very different niche than the conversion therapy trauma recovery. And they told me, you know, I'm actually just not that excited about it and I'm finding myself getting blocked. And so I was like, great, let's make a change. You can do this. But in my experience, it would have taken so much longer for that client, for that client of mine, to figure out what they wanted to do if we had just been like hypothetically like thinking through it for months. But because they actually did choose a niche and start taking action on it, start moving their marketing in that direction, they changed their therapy profiles to be more specific around messaging around conversion therapy, trauma recovery. And they basically sped up the timeline so they were able to tell whether or not they would actually like it. And they found out pretty quickly, you know, that's cool and all, but that's not actually what really lights me up. And I think this also highlights something else that is really important. And I would love for you to really sink into is that your niche shouldn't be something that you feel like you should do. It should be something you want to do. So for instance, If this client of mine had stuck with conversion therapy, trauma recovery, I think we could make a really strong case for why this person should do that. It's like they understand that process. They have done their own healing around it. They have worked with some clients around it in the past. It's a great, great need. It seems like a thing that like one should do and like good therapist conditioning if this person was like really bought into that, which they are not, probably would have stayed there. They could have also fallen into trying to people please and make me happy because I'm their coach and I got really excited about them doing this. But they were able to really focus on what they actually wanted to do, the work they wanted to do, rather than getting stuck in this idea of, well, I have to do this. I should do this. 
because of all the different reasons I just shared. I'll give you another example of a client that I've worked with in the past. So they wanted to get more clear on who they wanted to work with. They had been working with queer folks before. They wanted to keep on working with queer folks. These are actually two different clients. It's funny because like there's some similar themes here. Um, And so we spent some time kind of going through um, what aspect of the queer identity they wanted to work with. And they kind of narrowed in on questioning. They were like, okay, I think I really want to work with questioning people. So we're like, okay, great. Let's go all in on questioning. Let's have you start coming up with messaging, speaking to those people and see how that lands. And as they did that, things started to get like more specific or shift. They found that the clients that were actually coming to them were not so much, were not just questioning, but specifically coming in around having a genderqueer identity. And this client of mine was like, ooh, actually, I think I want to shift it a little bit in that direction. And like, it was not as dramatic a shift as that first client that I talked about going from conversion therapy, trauma recovery to like psychedelics and like optimizing your life. That's like kind of pretty different. But for this other client, it was like more of a small tweak. It was like, okay, I've gotten more clear. And when I'm I got data on what it was like to speak to the questioning experience. And what I was finding is that it was close but not quite. And actually working with genderqueer folks and talking about that experience and helping people move through that to like more peace and ease and acceptance with themselves, that's really lighting me up. So again, these are two examples of therapists who tried on a niche and made an adjustment. And you can do that too. So you can try something out and you can make an adjustment. It's not a big deal. It's not a problem. And I promise you, it's actually way faster to do this than it would be for you to take months and months just kind of like journaling endlessly about like, who are my people and what's my client avatar? Like when we think about niching, that's like the part that we often get really annoyed with (laughs) because we're like, oh my God, another client avatar. This is so dumb, right? And granted, like that has its place and I've created client avatars and I don't actually think they're dumb and my brain doesn't really work that way. I will like go there if I need to and someone is really asking me, but I've actually found this like just going all in on a niche in a very practical way. That being said, the fear that so many of us have around wasting time, I'm not really worried about you wasting time. I've already made a case for like why this actually saves you time. But when it comes to wasting money, I do have some thoughts on that. So I would not at this point, if you're like, "Mm, I'm not really sure what my niche is. I feel kind of like a freshman in college. I'm probably going to change my major a bunch of times. This is not the moment in your business when I would invest in like really expensive branding. I got some advice from my coach pretty early on when I was like, I want to grow my business and like, what should I do? And I want like all of the branding and like the cool fonts and the colors. And I want to have that identity. And she's like, honestly, I looking back on my business, I just kind of like my messaging adjusted so much in those first like year or two that I just kind of needed to redo everything at some point. And like the place, like that was not the place to spend money in my business that early on. Now, granted, I'm not going to tell you, you can't do that. But I would say if you are concerned about the wasting money aspect of, you know, trying on a niche, I would just go all in on your marketing, um, like from a DIY level. Like I would not do a website rebrand at this point. 
I would wait to see if this niche has has legs, see if you like it, see if you want to stick with it. And the other thing that's going to happen is as you stay focused on a niche, as you get to know that group of people really well, uh, here's a hint, you are probably part of that group of people. We tend to choose niches that are like have an aspect of our own identity in them. But as you move forward with that, a lot of your messaging is going to become clearer. And so later on, you are going to be so much more prepared to actually do that like bigger branding piece. So I would say if you are concerned about wasting money, that's okay. Just do your DIY marketing, mess around on your website, social media, emails, whatever it is, just like go out and try this messaging on. Don't worry yet about it being really polished. Just This is just a place for you to start to find, find your voice and find your messaging and develop um, your perspective on this topic. So the next fear is I'll get bored with working with the same kind of people. It's really funny because sometimes we're like, I'm afraid niching will work too well. I'm afraid it won't work well enough. And so this is kind of like that. I'm afraid it'll work too well. Like my niching will be so good that I will only ever work with these types of people. And I promise you, you won't because like check yourself real quick. (laughs) Even if someone comes in complaining of a particular problem in their life or they have a certain goal, you don't just talk about that thing, right? Because people are whole people and problems aren't isolated. When someone comes in to work around a particular topic, you're going to talk about all the different aspects of their life. So the chances of you getting bored I don't think that's a huge deal, but we can talk about what happens if like your marketing is just so effective that <laughs> you only ever work with those people. We can work around that. But I would say if you do have this really strong sense of like fear of boredom, if you were to work with just those people, then if that feels really intense, I would ask you to look at, is it possible that the group of people you're thinking about niching and specializing and working with Is it possible that that is a group of people that you feel you should work with rather than a group of people you want to work with? Because it could be that this fear of boredom is or that this um, lack of spark or this good therapist conditioning is kind of masquerading as a fear of boredom when in reality you've just actually chosen a group of people you don't even really want to work with, right? So check in on that feeling, go a bit deeper with it and see what's there. The other thing that will probably happen is that even if all of your marketing and branding and messaging was really, really geared towards like a specific type of person coming in for a specific problem, there's also a chance that like you're just going to get referrals for other things. Like for instance, your clients might have might have like a friend or a colleague or just someone that they know through the grapevine who's looking for a therapist. And they're like, oh, my therapist is great. I'm going to why don't you work with them? And like that person may have a totally different problem, but like there's that word of mouth connection. So they end up reaching out to you. Or you might have colleagues from grad school who know that you have a particular type of background that maybe isn't what you're currently um, centering your messaging around, but they think you're great at this thing. So they might send someone your way. That happened in my therapy practice all the time. The shingle I hung on my door was substance addiction and codependency. Those were the people I worked with. But I also had kids and teenagers sent to me by a colleague. I had lots of couples come to me. Approximately like a third of my caseload was working with couples. And it wasn't even something like I advertised a lot of. So that's just a great example of instances in which like other people are going to make their way into your practice. So if though, 
by some miracle, your messaging is so effective that like, and so specific and so on the nose that you do end up only working with a certain type of person and you do want to switch it up. Congratulations. You figured out marketing and now you can just market to a new group of people. Like, do you see that? It's like all the skills and tools that you develop to be so effective at drawing in this one group of people, all that stuff transfers. You can just use all the same techniques and skills you developed to add a new specialty. But by choosing one thing and going all in on it, that really allows you to focus all of your attention on that one thing and get so good at it rather than trying to do a bunch of things at once which is just going to basically diffuse your energy and make every bit less effective than it could be. Now, I'm not going to tell you, you can't do multiple things. Like, obviously I'm not the boss of you, but I will say that's something to consider. Pick, pick one and stick with it for the time being. Now, the flip side of, oh no, my niching will be too good. I will only work with this one type of person. The flip side of that is, oh no, I'll be so specific that I won't get enough clients. A lot of us initially think that like, well, if I just say I work with everybody, then surely I'll have all the clients I want. But let's think about that for a little bit. (laughs) Like, Think about a time that you've needed something, that you've needed to buy something, that you've needed help, a service. What do you go looking for? Do you go looking for like anyone who can sort of do that? Do you want to go to a store that has like tons of these different, a bunch of different things, a bunch of things you don't need and hunt through that for the thing that you do need? Or would you rather be able to go to a place that has exactly what you need and has really good quality stuff with somebody who works there and is knowledgeable and can point you in the right direction and help you find the thing that you need that's going to be perfect for your situation? Nine out of 10 times, that's the experience you're going to want to have. And when folks are looking for therapy online, when they're looking for help, when they land on a website or a directory that's listing like 20 different things, when they have a specific problem, a problem that is so painful that they've worked through enough of the stigma to actually research a therapist and maybe even reach out to somebody, when they see someone who, let's say they're, you know, possibly going to go through a divorce and they like are like, please help me save my marriage, right? And they see a therapist that's like, I can help you save your marriage. And they have another one that's like, I work with couples and also kids and anxiety and depression and financial stuff and also women's issues. They're like, wait, what? Like, what do you do again? Right? So that's just our brains, when we're looking for help with what we need, we want to get the sense that the person we're going to or the thing we're purchasing is going to actually help us. And one of the things that helps us get that experience is that the messaging is really focused. If you're like, but I don't even know how to talk to the people that I'd want to work with. It's okay. You can develop that over time. But I just want you to get a sense of like, niching actually calls people in. It seems counterintuitive, again, because we tend to think, well, if I have 20 different things listed on my website, then any of those people will work with me. But again, the person who is coming to work with you isn't coming in because they have 20 different things going wrong, at least not consciously, right? Like generally people are like, I have a thing and this is my biggest pain point. And when they land on your website and they maybe see that thing, but they see a bunch of other things crowding the space, they're going to think, well, 
I don't know if this person can actually help me with my thing because I want help with my thing. I don't want help with everybody else's thing. I don't really care if this therapist can help everybody. I want to know, can they help me? That is the question they're trying to ask. And I'm going to take you through a practice later on in this episode that's going to really help bring that home and give you ideas for how you can do that in your own business. But for now, I'm going to move on to the other fear, which is fear that we're going to exclude people. This is another big barrier for therapists when it comes to niching. And I get this. This is really hard for a lot of us. And this can be especially hard for folks who are transitioning from agency work into private practice. You are already used to having little or no choice when it comes to choosing your clients. And you may be thinking, like, I shouldn't be able to do this. I don't know how to do this. Is it bad if I'm able to do this? You could be feeling extreme guilt for having the privilege of getting to make these decisions. But here's the thing. You're not only deciding to be a therapist, but you're deciding to run your own business. And that's like a whole thing. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of responsibility. And part of the perk of running your own business is getting to make it a great place for you to work. If all you want is a job being a therapist, do not start your own private practice. If you're totally happy just you know, doing what other people want you to do, then great. Go get a job working at an agency. Do that. If you want to be able to create the job that you actually want, it's like customized, perfectly designed for you, your life, your skill set, your interests, your passions, then that's why you start a private practice. And because you're taking on that level of responsibility, because you're going through the trouble of doing this, It doesn't make any sense not to make it the thing that you actually want to do. You're not going to work with everybody. That's just a fact, and that's okay. Because there are also other therapists who will work even better with the folks that you do not want to work with. Again, when we're thinking about niching, I want you to consider who do you want to work with, not who do you think you should work with. And in some instances, that's the same answer for both questions. Like, Not only should you work with these people, but you deeply desire to work with them fantastic. But if there's a should there that doesn't actually line up with your desires, then we know something's out of whack. And I would rather have you choosing the thing that you want to do rather than the thing you think you should do. I trust you to be able to figure out how to get what you want. I don't trust you to live a happy life based on taking actions out of guilt, right? Which is basically like the should option. Okay, so now we've gone through all the biggest barriers or fears that therapists tend to have around niching. And if you need to go back and re-listen to them, re-listen to them, make sure you save this episode, add it to your favorites, because this shit can come up over and over again. And you just might need to be reminded that you have permission to try things on and experiment and have fun. And it's okay to do something opposite of these fears. Now I want to get into the practice that I give to so many of my clients to do that really drives home how powerful niching can be and helps you see it in action and then basically gives you a bunch of data so you can get a sense of, oh, what do I like about this? What do I not like? What would I want to replicate? What would I want to change? So I don't have a great name for this. So if you're listening to this and you have an idea for... (laughs) for a name for this practice or this exercise, I would love to hear it uh, because right now I don't have one. The best I could come up with is the would you hire them game. So here's what I want you to do. Whatever 
group of people you've been thinking of as we've been discussing this, like the group of people you want to work with, the group of people who lights you up. It's okay if you're not 100% sure, but let's just go with whatever is in your mind. It may be something you're already working with in your practice right now. It may be something totally different. It doesn't really matter. But just pick something and then Google that thing in your location. So let's say it's anxiety and you're in California and you can be more specific. Let's say you're in uh, Los Angeles. So it's like therapy for anxiety in Los Angeles, California. And I want you to check out at least five websites that come up in that search. And while you're looking at those websites, I want you to basically put yourself in the perspective of the client and be attempting to see it through their eyes. Remember, this is somebody who is having a hard time with this thing. So imagine that you're having a hard time with this things and you just want to know, like, can this person help me? Is it like, how clear is it to me that this person can help me or not? Do I want to stay on their website? Is the information helpful? How easy is it to find out whether or not they're the person for me? Do I feel like they're the person for me? So I want you to pay attention to their messaging, um, just basically every aspect of their website. Now, I typically give this assignment to people when they're going to begin building their own websites. And so there's like more pieces to this. So you can get into like how easy is it to find information around what they charge? the process for booking with them. How easily can I contact them? Like just, is there a good user experience on this website and doesn't make me want to work with this person? And my guess is that you're going to notice that there's some websites that are very clear. You land on them and you're like, whoa, this person is talking right to me. I feel like they are inside of my head and they took all of the language from the inside of my head and they put it on a website. And wow, I feel like they are telling me that they're very confident they can help me. That is going to feel super different than a website that's like, I'm a therapist and uh, here's a bunch of jargon about the types of approaches I use and the grad school I went to and the five different placements I have. Y'all, I'm going to be really honest with you. This may hurt. Most clients do not give a shit about that. They're not looking at it. They're not reading it. It's like their eyes glaze over and they're like, I don't know what that is. There are a few modalities that kind of have broken into the mainstream. Like IFS is like crazy popular right now. Somatics, obviously, I feel like somatics was having a moment for a while, still is. But the reality is that most of our professional jargon is not what like lay people are using to talk about their problems. So notice like when websites are using a bunch of that, you can also do the same practice on like Instagram. If you wanted to look at Instagram accounts, like it doesn't really matter what platform you use. I really like using websites um, because most of us will have a website at some point in our career. And it's just like really easy to tell when you hit it, like does it work or does it not? You can also, again, if you want to take this one step further, you can be paying attention to their design. You can say what is working about their design how legible is it? How easy is it to navigate? Um, All these different elements, because this is going to be information for you when it comes to creating your own marketing. And so this is all to kind of gather data and help you see what's out there, not as a way to compare yourself, but as a way for you to really feel the impact of what it's like when someone has clear messaging versus when they don't. So you would do that with five websites, five Instagram profiles, whatever platform you want to use. 
And then I would extend it out. You can either extend it out by looking at the same specialty in a different location, or you can extend it out by just looking at maybe the top ranking websites in your area. Um, or you could, this could be fun. Go on psychology today. Oh my gosh, go on psychology today and like look up therapists for your specialty and then look at the different bios. And some of them you're going to read and be like, I don't know. I can't tell if this person can help me or not. If I'm thinking about it from a client's perspective, I feel like they just talked about themselves for three paragraphs and I don't really know if they get me, right? Because again, going back to it, when someone has a problem, they want to know primarily, can you help me with my problem? That is the main thing. If you cannot confidently express a yes to that, then folks are going to bounce off. And I don't say that to scare you. I'm going to cool my jets a little bit because I don't want you to be like, oh no, Felicia, if I don't know how to do that, ah, I'm failing. You're not failing. It's fine. And I just want you to keep that in the back of your head as you are developing your message that that's essentially what we're aiming for. That's always the question the person is asking. Can you help me? How do I know that you are the person that I need to hire to help me with my problem? Now, of course, as therapists, we can't guarantee results. Truly, I mean, who can really guarantee results? That's that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to mislead anybody or say like, here's my snake oil magic pill that will just get rid of that immediately. That's just not a reality. But they do want to know like, do you feel confident that you can help me? Do you feel like, how am I going to know that you're the person who can hold this experience with me? And when you can be more specific in your language, more specific in your messaging, the person on the other end is just going to get that experience so much faster. So that's the practical kind of like nitty gritty exercise that I want you to do. Now I'm going to give you some mindset journaling work that you can do this next week because there's like a sneaky fear that I actually haven't shared yet that I'm going to share with you right now. And that fear is the fear of actually getting what you want. Now, you would think you would be happy to get what you want, but in so many cases, like we actually fear getting what we want. Why? Because of good therapist conditioning. Because if we had what we wanted, we wouldn't be playing along with that like martyrdom. I work so hard. I do my job because it's a labor of love and I'm poor and all my work is just so draining. Like if you were to have a caseload where you're like, I love all these people. This is fun. This is great. I can't believe I get paid to do this. Oh my gosh. Like I feel so clear in who I want to work with and I'm so good at calling them in. Sometimes we can feel a lot of feelings about that. Sometimes that would mean we would have fear of like losing standing in our group of friends. Like how would our other therapist friends and colleagues feel about that? Would that be really hard for us? How would our partners and family members feel about that? So what I want to invite you to do here is to find maybe 15 minutes in this upcoming week, get quiet, maybe lay down in your bed. I think this might be nice for you to do without journaling, though of course you could journal about it later. But just to close your eyes and imagine having exactly what you wanted in your therapy practice, the clients, the money, the schedule, the lifestyle, just getting exactly what you wanted. And then I want you to feel what comes up when you imagine that, including the fears. Notice the fears that might arise if you were to get exactly what you want. 
for me, a really common fear is like, well, what if I were still unhappy after getting what I want? Like, ooh, that it gets existential for me, right? Like I said, some of us might have fears around it changing the nature of our relationships or what we think about the field of therapy in general or climate change. Like we could just go all over the place. So be open to hearing what are the fears there and see if you can just feel them, ride the waves, show up with openness and compassion. Don't try to figure it out. Just be a loving witness to what is arising. And then I want you to imagine and sense into what would feel so good about having a practice filled with clients you enjoy. How would it feel to do that work? What would it feel like to be a therapist in a practice with clients that you really, really enjoy in all the different ways? Folks who agree to your policies and practices, people who are coming in for the things that you really love to work with folks on that you feel like really great doing. And if you're like, oh, but I would need more training to do that, great. I want you to imagine a practice in which you have the time and money to devote to the training you'd want to do. Like, I want you to really let yourself go to having the practice you want. And if you notice anything that you want and then your brain goes, oh, but that's not possible. I can't have that. I want you to remind yourself that you are doing imagination play and that you get to snap your fingers. And in this imagination, you get to just have that. That problem gets to be solved. We don't worry about how it got solved. We just decide it did. And you get to pay attention to how that feels. So those are the two things I want to invite you to do this week. I want you to do that mindset practice that I just described, and I want you to go do that website search and just see what comes up for you. Take notes if you want. Come say hi to me on the internet and share your thoughts with me. I would love to hear what comes up in both of these practices for you or just what happened as you were hearing me go through those different fears or barriers um, because some might be more relevant to you than others. So just come share with me. And if this was helpful to you, please leave a review on the podcast and rate it so that we can get it in front of more therapists who really need to hear this. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope this has helped you unstick anything that's been blocking you from niching in your private practice. I hope that you're feeling excited and empowered to approach niching in a new way. And you literally can't get it wrong because you always get to be learning. Next week, I'll be back and we're going to be continuing the series on how to fill your practice with clients you love. I'm going to be taking you through the major attitude shift that happened for me around marketing that just made it so much easier and so much more fun. And I know that you're going to get tons out of it. So make sure to tune back in. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.